Hello, hello, and welcome to the Petropolis Podcast. We're back with, what are we back with? We're here with Quincy Zickman with Give a Dog a Bone and George DeGuido from NYC Pet, my longtime um, New York mouthpiece. (laughs) (laughs) This group is going to be talking about customer service what we offer to our customers or what we think we offer to our customers anyway, and uh, what we expect as customers from our suppliers, our distributors, the people we buy from. And sometimes I think that is forgotten. Quincy, introduce yourself. Tell me about your store. You're in Evansville, Indiana. We're Give a Dog a Bone in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, Dog bone market everywhere online because 16 years ago, uh, Give a Dog a Bone was already taken. But yeah, we've been in business for, uh, it was 16 years in February. My wife Liz and I, we run it together. We've actually owned the business for almost six years. So we didn't start it. We, we took over from, uh, from the founder. We are a single location. Um, we do retail, uh, dog and cat exclusively. Describe ourselves as a health food store for, for dogs and cats. Any grooming or services? We don't do any services, no. No, we've been actually very intentional about not offering like grooming or even a self-serve wash. And George, everybody knows you. It's kind of scary that everybody knows you. Well, it's been a long time, Daz. I'm going to (laughs) be celebrating 45 years come January. 45 Uh, years, nine stores, right? Nine stores. All right. And, you know, I am who I am. I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know who I am anymore. Other than I like to... uh, get the information out there so no one's stuck in the dark because the industry doesn't kind of forgets us, whether you have nine stores or your individual stores, I think um, sometimes we're taken for granted as customers and forgotten about where we really have an impact on what happens within the pet industry, especially with our clients and how we guide them. Do you have any training programs in place for your uh, for your staff to teach how to treat your customers? We do. Um, really just kind of stuff that we've created um, that deals with, um, one, just attitudes toward customers. Okay. Um, so really just a lot of basic, like, human interaction that, you know, most people ought to know, um, you would think. Uh, really work with people and teach them how to um, like how to actually help customers questions to ask them how to uh, how to listen how to sort of read between the lines of what customers are saying things like that um, and that's really probably one of the first things that we that we work on whenever we bring in um, staff okay George do you have any protocol in place for training we actually do <laughs> you, you, you make it seem like that was unexpected that yes, you would. people really a lot of things you assume people know they really don't know and they have to be instructed on it and basically what it comes down to is we want that customer to be treated as if he's a family member or a long lost cousin or uncle you have to put that person on the on a silver platter. You do everything and anything, especially today with the internet and everything going on. Mm-hmm. That person is in total control. And all you do is service, service, or I don't care what it is, service. That's the bottom line. And if there's ever a problem, we immediately handle it. 
immediately. It doesn't go past an hour. You have nine stores and you can't be everywhere all the time. So, uh, if, and I know you're you quite know responsive. People, if you know people who know me, yes, I can. <laughs> I'm very hands-on. And I demand a lot out of my employees, but service and uh, being courteous and going out of your way for that one particular person, because you never know who their friend is. You never know anything. So you treat every single person as if they're your best customer. And I will take nothing less than that when it comes down to it. That's the bottom line. And do your reviews- uh, Listen, you gotta watch reviews. You gotta watch reviews. Well, part of the reviews are that. I mean, I can be yeah, real bitchy truthful. with people, so some that's are, all the world. Some are truthful. Some are other stores trying to sabotage you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of tricks involved with reviews, but I really don't pay too much attention to those particular ones because I know my staff and we watch everything so closely. We have a human resource person who's on top of everything. So a lot of that, if it's out there, we remedy it. Whether they take it down, that's another story. But overall, with the amount of customers that walk through our door, minimal, minimal bad review, minimal. Hmm. Quincy, how do you handle reviews? Um, I mean, honestly, in a similar similar way, we, we try to take care of address things as quickly as possible. Uh, from the technical side, we um, you know we get notifications uh, whether somebody's leaving us a review on Facebook or Yelp or Google or some random you know site that you wouldn't even know exists, and we try to initially handle them publicly. If the if the person leaving the review is just wrong, uh, we usually tell them. Uh, we, we usually explain to them how and why they're wrong or, you know, something like that. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we will, we'll still remedy things for them, but we try to toe the line of everybody, but also, um, not being walked up, walked all over. I guess and a lot of times, honestly, like when it comes to online reviews, a lot of times we've gotten negative reviews that were just so ridiculous that before we had a chance to say anything, our customers were already commenting on the review, correcting that person. <laughs> so um, yeah. You do have a tribe of people who are your fans and will oh, yeah. come forward and speak up for you. Yeah, if you have. Usually if somebody has a legitimate problem, they're going to contact us directly before they leave some review online. Um, and a lot of this stuff is like silly, review, silly reviews that we can't fix and nobody could actually fix because it's, you know, just so obscure. So do you really put any, you know, do you really care about reviews? I mean, I, I know with my web company, they, they, they're very aggressive about getting reviews, getting reviews. And I'm like, I am not having my staff send notes to my customers and please review us. I just, you know, for me, I think that's kind of annoying. I don't want to annoy my customers that way. I want them to keep coming in and not think every single time they get their pet groomed or they yeah, buy something. As you know, what happens a lot? There's certain people you just can't make them happy. And you're always going to have a percentage of that. And they tend to be very vocal. But if you have 10,000, 20,000 customers and you have three reviews and it goes back to 2013, I mean, why even bother? Why bother? You know who reads those reviews? Other people that write reviews. It's like a little club inside. I don't think regular people are reading all that. I don't, I don't believe it. Not today. You know, who's got time? 
Maybe if I'm going for grooming, maybe if I'm going to a restaurant, maybe. But who's got who's got time? Who's got time? I don't know. Maybe yeah. out in Indiana they have time, but they don't have time in New York. <laughs> I sure I certainly don't have time to read them myself uh, <laughs> for, for another business. I'm just gonna go give them a shot unless it's like if I'm just trying to buy something, I don't what what do I have to lose? Uh there's we're, so much we're, not, we're not aggressive either with trying to collect them. You know, they they, they come in and uh you know, we'll respond to them and watch them, but uh, we don't, we don't, we don't beg for reviews. Okay. All right. I just find it kind of, I, I would find it annoying if someone kept sending me a text or email saying, Hey, reviewers sort of like, I was just there with my dog picking up a bully stick. Oh, who cares? Um, but if someone has something to say and they, whether it's positive or negative, I do want to hear it. I do want to hear it. And I would rather that I get a phone call. And I'm hoping that with the relationships that I've created or my staff has created in the store, they would be comfortable enough to contact us directly instead of putting it on Yelp or Google. So most times, Taz, it's a misunderstanding. It's nothing, you know, mm -hmm. earth shattering. Just a small misunderstanding, that's all. And it can be remedied real fast. How about when we're the customers? Since we are customers within this industry, we're buyers, right? We use distributors. We have products shipped to us from manufacturers. What kind of expectations do you guys have when it comes to dealing with various distributors? And I'm going to start off by saying I had a hell of a week, um, two weeks rather, with a specific distributor in New York. With, they're also in Indiana, Phillips had um, very poor communication, poor customer service. And it was just exhausting being a small business owner. I don't, I don't have nine stores. I do have one store and I'm very uh, controlling of the process and, and what I bring in and the choices I make. So the level of frustration that was it, it affected my day and pissed me off. And then I let it go because it just wasn't worth thinking about because they're going through their own shit. So, um, but my expectations always with my, with, with people I do business with is that they communicate. And that's something that was missing in this case. There was just complete, uh, com communication was completely absent in the whole process. So, that's something that I want to talk about. What are your expectations? What do you expect to get? We pay a lot of money for products. Sometimes you, I look on Chewy and I see that I'm paying the same thing as is listed to the customer on Chewy to my distributors. So I sit back and I'm like, ah, oh, why am I paying this for Philip at Philips and Chewy's charging three cents less than I'm paying to a distributor. And then I have to put my markup on it. What kind of customer service is that? We expect good communication, um, and that's often why we end up dropping distributors or why we stop working with companies is, is just because they don't communicate well. We kind of expect them to, uh, to get to know our business, um, to, know, to get to know our values, you know, because every, every store, every business is going to have a different focus or emphasis or values, and, um, you know, we want them to know what we care about. Um, 
<laughs> nothing annoys us and pisses us off more than whenever, you know, a, a rep will try to come in and just have all these deal sheets of all this stuff. Uh, and we're like, look around this store. Like this doesn't line up with anything that we would carry, you know? Um, and, you know, they're just, and, and they can't even describe the products to us or explain, explain anything about them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, communication and just getting to know our business and, and our values, I think is, uh, those are two of the most important things. You think it's hard for them to just come in and walk through your store and see, okay, the guy doesn't carry Purina. Um, the only thing from Purina that they carry is yesterday's newsletter, right? So let's refocus on what we're going to sell to them. Let's look at what we have. Do, do you think they know enough about what retailers are doing, what, you know, companies like ours are doing to be able to make those choices, to be able to have those conversations? Uh, well, honestly, I think that it needs to start with a conversation. I think a little 15, 20 minute talk, honestly, could kind of give them a good idea, you know, of what, uh, of what you want or what we want in our stores. Um, and honestly, I see some distributors do really well with that. Um, we, we have we have one in particular that, that they go above and beyond out of their way. They'll bring in brands that we beg them to bring in. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll bring in, they, they'll not let certain brand reps come in with them because they're like, no, you won't be a good fit for them. You're, I'm not taking you in there. So we do have some that, that look out for us that way. And then others that, you know, they just, you know, they're just trying to sell as much stuff as possible and they don't, uh, I, I think, I, I, I'm sure, I know a lot of them have, you know, really big territories and a lot of stores and a lot of businesses they have to deal with, but, you know, I don't know, maybe the distributors just need, you know, more reps and better training for them. You know, you know Tess, I, I'm wondering why are we giving them the benefit of the doubt? Why are we giving them excuses and saying, oh, well, like you're saying, they're big, they're this. No, 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 no. You can be big and you can have great customer service if you choose to. Now, the problem is it's dollars and cents. That's all it comes down to. So they'll take one person, one salesperson and say, okay, you're going to cover a crazy territory and we're going to monitor everything you do. And it, it, it can't be fixed. It can't be fixed. Right now it has to be blown up and redone all over again because once the big money people moved into those distributorships, the service went right downhill. Before. Are you talking about Philips specifically? I'm talking about all the big players, all the big players, because I don't think I could take one of them that are large and say mm -hmm. they're an excellent job. Now, the smaller ones are doing a great job because they are. they're smaller and, mm -hmm. they're, and they're, they're treating us the way we want to be treated. See, we always say our customers king, this, and that. They don't say that. Like they should go out of their way for me. They're not. They're not, we're on the back burner. And now with more and more exclusives coming in, they don't have to treat us well. And we're accepting it. So the bar is very low for them. That's interesting because you have nine stores. Right. Quincy and I have both one store each, right? So if you're being treated that way, imagine like we're probably the cockroaches here, Queen and Quincy and I, right? Well, I can relate to everybody because I started out very small and worked my way up. Mm -hmm. I, everything I watch everything and I monitor everything and I see that they are really doing a disservice to the independent 
Now, I learned just recently information about Chewy that when they make a contract, in that contract, they come first. They come first. We're second. And they have a way of monitoring inventories in other places where they know if products coming to us before them and they'll be, get called out on it. I know that for a fact. Wait a second. Yep. Can you clarify this? Okay. They come first. I mean, I think I, I know, know what you're talking about. I know somebody who's really a major ma- I know someone who's a major manufacturer and sells to Chewy. And their written agreement was they come first before us. Now, what happens is they can monitor the inventory in these places and they will call them out if we have more product than they do. How's that for information? <laughs> you know, sure. I was going to say, um, sure. I, I was going to say, I, I really don't like counterfeit connections. You know, when you have relationships based on the things that you dislike, but I think as small business owners in the pet industry, we have that commonality <laughs> that we may, we may need to use to our benefit. So that common enemy intimacy thing, you know, so it's, um, this is a shame because it's kind of suffocating as a business owner. You don't know where to turn. What do you do at that point? Do you eliminate all those brands that are being sold on Chewy, every single one of them. I mean, I, I carry very few of them. You don't, I mean, you have a lot of them. I mean, Quincy, do you carry a lot of brands that you can find on Chewy? We, yeah, we've got quite a bit, yeah. That's, I mean, depending on where you're located. I'm in New York City, you're in Brooklyn, George, and I don't know about Evansville, Indiana. How are people shopping? And what is that, how is that gonna affect us and then where do the distributors come in in the way they're treating us here again we are paying customers you know for for us we i don't know that we lose much business to online well we have in the last year um but that's that's just because we had a lot of pissed off people um uh from the whole pandemic stuff uh and so are you do you mean politically pissed off or like uh, not happy that we enforced, you know, guidelines and, and things like that. Uh, so yeah, I guess, I guess politically. Okay. Uh, but but for the most part, you know, over the years, I don't think that we've lost much business. I mean, honestly, every since my wife and I took over, every year, except for last year, you know, we've grown. Um, and within a year of us, or a year and a half of us taking over the business, we moved from a 2000 square foot space to a 4,700 square foot space. Um, and so we, we get new customers all the time. Um, and we have customers who shop with us for, for 16 years. Um, we, because we offer value that Chewy can't or that the three pet stores that are all in two block directions, either way, um, you know, the Pet Supplies Plus and PetSmart, you know, each of them are two blocks away in other directions. and. So we're kind of surrounded, um, but we still tend, we still do pretty well. Uh, it doesn't really hurt us, I don't think, yet. Um, but I mean, that's just for that's just us. That's interesting because he, we feel it in the Northeast. Je- I mean, George, you feel it. 
Sure, sure. They have, they, well, I just saw an ad for them and I was shocked. They said um, one to two day delivery, but should we? And we do it within two hours. So we got a little edge on them now. <laughs> well, Petco does same day delivery now, but what's real? Again, what, what are we really looking at? Are we protected at all by the distributors that we're buying from, by the brand that we're committing ourselves to? Is there any protection or? Well, I got to tell you, Tess, this is, it, it's very disheartening, some of these distributors, because like take a product like um, uh, S-Black. Mm -hmm. One distributor has it. They've been out of it for maybe six, seven months. Mm -hmm. They don't have it. There's another product called Bitter Apple, very common product. One distributor has it. They've been out of it for about six months, but I can go online and buy it. So it's very frustrating as a retailer, very frustrating. And I don't know, is, is the distributor not buying it? Is it the manufacturer? Who's telling the truth? Yeah, because they, they always want to blame, blame yeah. the other when there's you know outages. It's always somebody else's fault. Well. You have alternatives that you can buy. You don't have to stick within those brands. You can get Scouts Honor. You can get uh, other products that are bitter. There's other brands. When that happens, say, you know what? You just lost me as a customer. You have to kind of, you know, call their bluff or it's, if it's not a bluff, if they're selling to Chewy first because they're priority and we're not, then make other choices that are better for your business. If I can't get Bitter Apple, I'm getting the Scouts Honor Bitter. And it sells and actually sells better because the packaging isn't dated. It's not this ugly yellow green. It's not dated. It stands out and people trust the cleaning solution. So get a different product. Just like when Varuva went to Petco, bring in something else and put that right next to Varuva and say, this is this made in the US. Sure. There are brands out there. This, what I'm saying is that we don't have to feed into it. And I think often a lot of small business owners get stuck in a silo as opposed to looking around saying, okay, who else is out there offering me something else? Why should I continue from bu buying from this distributor? Like Phillips, Four Paws, Weeby Pads. Right? I don't want to buy from Central. They're right there in, in, the, in the low part of the totem pole as far as customer service goes with, with deliveries and products. So I don't want to buy from them. So what do I do? I buy from Artbark. They ship from California. I get great weeby pads. Prices are awesome. Better margins. Why do I want to get caught up with the bullshit of the distributors that don't give me the respect that I deserve after 15 years of working with them, being in business, giving them money, Every week, on time, no issue. Yeah, you have problem. to change we're your all, mindset. That's the problem. We're all individuals. We just can't get this group together because we're all individuals. We can't move together and have this coalition. But I think we're going to be forced to somehow for our own survival. There are options to everything out on the market. You don't have to get stuck with what the distributors have. There are brands selling direct, shipping to you, if you order $400, $500 minimum, you don't pay a shipping fee and you get it in two to three days. When I can't get a delivery from Phillips for two and a half weeks, 
two and a half weeks. And I'm afraid to order from them because I'm like, oh, I have to bring in an employee for receiving, an additional employee for receiving. What if sales are quiet that day? It affects my bottom line. I don't want to play that game. One of my biggest pet peeves is just like, George, you have your pet peeves. Mine is no communication. If you just tell me what's going on, I can adjust my schedule. I can adjust my customer's needs if I have a special order from you. I can adjust it and I can communicate back. If I'm left in the dark and not communicated with, that means everyone else that I'm working with is going to have to hear, I don't know from me. And I don't like saying, I don't know. If you just say, look, yeah, we have COVID. We have, an, we have people dying from this because some don't believe or whatever. But yeah, people are getting oh, sick. What, what was that? I'm fully vaccinated. So. <laughs> Me too, but don't forget there are other variants and you still have to play safe. So um, it's just give us the communication. But I know a lot of these businesses are suffering as well. Phillips had a load of people out because of COVID. Uh, they didn't have enough drivers. They don't have enough employees. But historically, their customer service has been weak. And if we start with poor customer service in any business, we're going to start with just looking bad overall. And, and, you, know, and you know what, Taz? Let's get away from this always blaming COVID. That's the answer to everything. For the next year, it's going to be COVID, COVID, COVID for all these. It's a new excuse for them. Like you say, they've been like this for years. So when they say, oh, due to COVID, that's a blanket you know, and response. I'll tell you, I spoke with Joe Canova and he, it, part of it was COVID and you know, Joe, Joe's one of our reps, Quincy. And um, he blamed COVID initially, but then went into a history. And I really wanted to have him on or someone from Phillips on to speak about this, but then I didn't want this to be a conversation with excuses as to why things haven't happened. Because there is a his, historical, uh, you know, outline that I can look back the last 15 years where I had two to three really good years of customer service with them, but you know, 12 years of poor customer service, weak communication, inconsistencies. And it, I mean, one of the worst things that happens one day I had somebody from, uh, from Honest Kitchen come in, a salesperson. She came in with my Phillips sales rep and I didn't know who the Phillips sales rep was. And she's telling me to place an order. I said, well, I won't order from Phillips. <laughs> and I didn't know that was the Phillips rep sitting there. And Wendy, who was there, uh, the, the rep from Honest Kitchen at the time, she just looked at me and I said, oh, you're from Phillips, shit. <laughs> so, you know, I almost... Um, it put my foot in my mouth. I'm like, no, fuck that. She should have introduced herself. Exactly. She should have. It was the first time well, I had met her. Well, Taj, you know what the biggest joke out there is? This is the biggest inside joke. They're all, you place your orders in online, right? Now they show you the out of stocks. So now you don't order it because it's out of stock. So that inflates their fill rate. So their what? fill rate is really double, you know, you can deduct a double the amount. They're out of everything. I mean, they these are. babies are out of everything. Quincy, are we changing your mind about bringing Phillips back? 
<laughs> Not Trust, just we did it very begrudgingly. Um, yeah, but whenever we dropped them like five years ago, maybe, I think it was, we were finally able to, for brands that we were keeping, uh, move them to different distributors. Um, and we were able to get like price matches and, you know, whatever, all that stuff. Because one brand, the distributor that we were getting them from, a quarter of their products, um, because they said they didn't sell, well, they sold really well for us. We basically held out as long as we could, and we, we signed up with them just to get one brand, basically. So we're doing like a once every five week uh, order with, with them just to kind of refill in spots. I mean, communication was always terrible. They were always having out of outages, you know, like five years ago. Uh, and we... Which we're, we're certainly not married to distributors or even brands. We try not to be at least, you know, as much as we can. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not excited about it. It's interesting because when it comes to brands and um, communication, I think it needs to be, for me, for my store, I don't want to need a brand or a distributor. I want them to need me. And I think that's really key. And I always look for alternatives. If there's something selling really hot for me and I'm doing well with it because of the quality and the value, whatever the layers are that meet my needs and what I believe in for my business, I look for an alternative and I let my customers know and my staff knows, always make sure our customers are buying the variety. If this is one that I really love, make sure they get number two and number three, alternate them. So we're never stuck in losing sales in any way. And the customers never walk out dissatisfied thinking that they didn't get what they needed because a distributor has screwed up or because a brand had a, an issue with production or, um, whatever, a recall or something. I don't ever want to get stuck. Even the best brands. I mean, I love answers. I love small batch. My freezers are always full, but the people that were dedicated to one brand, I have made them get other brands. My staff has told them you have to get other brands. What if something happens with this brand? What if there's a problem? With COVID, I think part of what's happening, we're having supply issues all over the place, right? You guys are seeing it. There's prices are also going up. I don't know if you're seeing it or if it's just me, but there are price increases happening. We're going to have price increases with meats. Um, so I think that if we don't give the consumer the option, they're going to go Googling and looking online and with all the AI out there, they're going to be redirected to Chewy. And there, there's this mass confusion of all these brands all shoving, being shoved into our customers' faces. They immediately will just choose one to shut it down. The one that looks like it's best, or it has the word best in there, right? Without any explanation of what best means and what it's being compared to and how it really affects their animals. That's where we are very different. So they will go there and I wanna do everything possible to stop them from running to the internet. So those phone calls, those conversations, those people coming in do matter. And if the distributors or if the manufacturers cannot be communicative with me, 
and my staff, I don't need you. I want you to need me. Yeah. I don't, I am not, I don't want to get screwed by anybody without being part of the process. Honestly, <laughs> I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy the process. Well, you know what we're doing lately, Taz, we're asking the manufacturer to step in and help us get people from online into our stores. We're doing the reverse. We're saying working. we want you to go online and run a special deal for us in store. Now, they're all saying, well, think about what thinking. they're not going to do it. But we have to have the conversation of how do you bring them specially into the store? Because we need them in the store. So, for example, if you have a Waruva, on the Waruva website, there should be an in-store only special deal for a month. Only in-store. Absolutely. Now, will they do it? They'll never do it. But should they do it? Yes, they should. They won't do it. Now, here's the new thing that came out with uh, Nature's Variety. I'd like to get some feedback on that. Nature's Variety, where they have a contract now that they're going to have a certain food just for independents. Mm -hmm. Claim they have a contract. I'd like, to I'd like to hear from other independents to see what's everybody thinking about. I mean, I wish Nature's Variety did that before they came up with this plan and had like Zoom meetings or whatever and found out what we think. But they're trying to tell us what's good for us we should be telling them what we want. Well, for so long, we haven't spoken up. Right. What, what, in what venue, what venue do we have to speak up? That's the first question. Where can we speak up other than one-on-one? -on -one, and then that gets taken to the superiors. Then there's a conversation. But if you're a single store owner, like Quincy and I are, we're gonna kind of be put on the back burner, even though there is hundreds of us out there. Yeah because they think that these, those, us, Quincy and I, or Nikki, who has one store, all of us will kind of bow down to what they want to do anyway, because they're bigger. So I, I don't think they realized how we can actually do more by simply being honest about what our needs are. And this is why I'm doing these conversations because I want more retailers to get on and start talking because no one's paying us. We're getting the information out and retailers are listening and so are manufacturers and distributors. You guys need, you guys need to speak up. So whoever you know that wants to jump on, let me know. We can make this bigger and bigger. We need the distributors to be truthful with us. We can take it. We can take it. We're big boys and girls. We can take it. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. Yeah, I think um, I think the truth has been dismantled. The concept of speaking the truth has been dismantled in the pet industry. I think it's a lot of band-aids and by the time you get down to the band-aid that's really on the wound, you're exhausted. Exactly. <laughs> And they've devalued the well-being of the small businesses that have really impacted their growth. We're the ones who do the introductions. We're the ones who have the one-on-ones. We're the ones who have continuously brought brands to our customers with using customer service, communication. So, and we have an intimacy with our customers that 
you don't get it at Petco or a PetSmart. Yeah, you, Quincy, you have a PetSmart on one side of you, right? And a pet value on the other. Um, do you have that? In, do they have the intimate connections that we have? I can pick up the phone and call a customer and know everything about them. Uh, routinely hear people who went to PetSmart and uh, an associate or worker told them to come over to our store to ask us the question. Uh, That's sad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we assume that everybody's eventually going to screw us. <laughs> so we just, you know, kind of prepare ourselves for that. Um, you know, we know brands are going to grow. We know as soon as they take on investors, we know it's time to start looking in other places and, you know, um, to slow down on bringing in their, their new products. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, and we're pretty frank with them. Uh, if they ask why we don't carry something, we'll tell them, well, because we think it's a stupid product. You, you know, it's, a, it's just marketing. You're just trying to take up our shelf space. Um, and we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty upfront with them on that. Quincy, uh, you know what our problem is right now? We're playing defense. We should be playing offense. Yes. We should go out and get our brands, get some kind of contract, and push the hell out of it and yeah. show that we still are the kings of the castle. We are. It's just we have to start playing offense. Now, the last four items I brought into my store were manufacturer to retailer. I cut out the middle guy. You know what? They don't care about me. Why am I caring about them? Mm -hmm. This is what happens. We have to go on offense because we are smarter. We are smarter. Being small doesn't mean that we have no capabilities. I think it gives us even more power if we come together. And where the, the weakness comes in is that infighting. And that I kind of blame on social media it makes, it gives us, it gives a lot of small businesses this fear of missing out. And especially the magazines like Pets Plus Business, they use the small retailer to advertise their brands that they're getting paid for. But is the retailer really getting anything out of that other than that moment on Facebook? Are they really getting anything out of it? Are they getting better price points? Are they getting um, specialty deals? I'm curious. We've done a lot of stuff where we won't participate in any mail-in rebates because they take your name and they send it to the internet. So there's a, see, we built this industry. We built it. And I'd love to educate all the one stores and two stores that are just coming to be to explain the history of it. So they understand that we're not just shooting our mouth here. We've been there. We understand what these companies are about. Mm -hmm. Right now, they're grabbing all the information they can out of us using that tool to get all the information from us so they could use it elsewhere, somewhere else. We will not give out any of our information, period. Yep. Yeah. I, I get about two emails a week from Spins looking for to join for me to join their data collection process, why would I want to do that? I mean, again, I know how small I am. I'm a pimple on the world's ass, but you know, I think that data is important. My customers are important. I'm going to respect them. They can choose to do whatever they want. Hopefully they're not spreading themselves thin, but they're coming to me because 
they want real information. They want true guidance as to what to do for their pets. And my goal is to always do what's right by the end user who is the animal and educate the consumers so they don't get caught up in this wave of manipulation. It's not even advertising, it's manipulation. It's not even marketing, it's manipulation. So that to me is good customer service where I don't take anything away and keep giving back and we work together and they keep my business alive and I keep their animals healthy and keep them knowledgeable in a way that your average person can get really caught, get caught off guard by getting stuck on Instagram. Have you guys looked on Instagram? All the foods that are coming up, all the new brands, all the new products, Halle Berry, um, she has a dog food, uh, pup <laughs> this, poop that. I mean, all these foods, who's making these foods, right? What if there's something wrong with that food? Who do you contact? That one customer service rep who is one of the owners of the company who is doing this, you know, big social media campaign, that person you're going to call who is not even available and doesn't know how your food is made or who's making it or what facility, how they're sourcing it. Well, you know, all those celebrity foods, it's probably all the same food <laughs> coming out of the same thing with different people's names on it. You know, you have to know the history of all this. There's a brand that's been growing a lot lately and uh, they have been for a couple of years and they came in and approached us and um, trying, trying to get us to bring them in. And my wife dealt with them. I, I wish I'd been dealing with them. What, what's that? There's a name. Oh, Nulo. Okay. So uh, Rep came in t maybe two years ago and I, I wasn't in, but my wife was and you know, he was talking to Liz and uh, she, she's like, okay, I'll, I'll talk to you for a minute. Usually she doesn't, but, um, but she did. And so he was like, yeah, you know, um, we've got Michael Phelps, you know, he's, you know, part of our, you know, our, our spoke, he's our spokesperson, whatever. And, and, she's like, and she, an investor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's like, okay, does he feed this to his dogs? Uh, and I can't remember what he said. And she's like, cool. She's like, yeah, I know he's a swimmer, but so what's, uh, I didn't know he had, uh, you know, an animal nutrition background and, and all this stuff and, uh, <laughs> you know, just screwing with him. He's like, oh no, no, he's just a, he's just a spokesperson. Was, she's like, okay. She's like, well, what, what can you tell me about your food? He couldn't tell her a thing. Uh, he couldn't tell her a thing except that they had Michael Phelps. Uh, and she's like, well, you know, one of our, one of the things on our list is if a company can afford a celebrity spokesperson, we're not going to carry them. Um, and, uh, you know, he left, <laughs> but is that one of the caveats? I mean, I'm okay if they can afford a celebrity spokesperson, as long as they give me a full outline of the micro and the macronutrients and the digestibility, if they can show me that their food is awesome, then bring on the celebrities. I want more yeah. animals to be healthy and eating it. <laughs> I think it just so happens that anyone we've seen that had a celebrity spokesperson, you know, wasn't good. It wasn't anything that we cared about. Uh, yes. <laughs> it just works out that way. Yeah, that is the, um, that's, 
that's the suffocation point. You know, I feel like I'm getting suffocated by all this celebrity bullshit. <laughs> like who cares? Who cares? Why does a mattress company invest in a pet food company and use the name of some actors to market it? Why? What is a mattress company? I'll tell you why. Because pet is hot right now and the money is running towards it. And they, don't, they don't see any names or anything. They see numbers. That's all they see is numbers. It might as well be a screwdrivers they're selling, pet food, whatever it is. They're just seeing numbers. It's all about money. And that's what's happened to this industry. 44 years ago, we got into this and it was mom and pop and manufacturers really cared about the quality and the well-being of the animals. Now it's just dollars and cents. And I'm sorry to say, the whole world is going that way. I don't think so. That's why we're having this conversation. That's true too. Maybe we could change things. We can. I believe that we can. I would love yeah. to. I would love to get back to nutrition and the love of animals. I would love to get back to that. Look, our end users are not being considered by majority of these companies. They don't give a shit about the animals. So they're marketing to the humans. So going back to customer service, who are they really servicing? I think they're doing a great job with customer service. They're talking their asses off to their customers, the people with the wallets. Who's suffering? The animals, the ones that, the people that were there helping, the ones that businesses like ours actually give a shit about. So perhaps we need to adjust the way we speak about this, not only to our distributors, but to our customer base. Let them know here, we're here for you and your pet's well-being. Do all the celebrity shit you want, I don't care. But you know, if you don't support this, us who are right here in front of you, if we're not around, who's going to suffer? And, you know, who's going to suffer? It's the animals. And we say we're doing everything for the sake of the animals. I don't know. Are we? Doesn't seem that way. And the distributors. Yeah, I mean, George, your pet peeve. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I think I thought Pet Food Experts was doing a great job. And you're like, nah, they're not that great. <laughs> My pet peeve today is back orders i know everybody out there knows what back orders are they come in they sell you a beautiful song and dance and they say sign on there and you sign on there and there's 20 items within that portfolio and maybe you get four and then a week later maybe you get the fifth and then three months later maybe you get seven and eight i hate back orders everybody hates back orders when will it ever change that's my pet peeve. That's a shitty pet peeve. I don't That's like a great pet peeve. The shitty one. Right. Quincy, you have a pet peeve? Gosh, I've got a lot of them. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I think it, a lot of my pet peeves are more with brands, I think, than, than distributors. Um, but uh, unnecessary line expansions are, are my biggest issue right now reps not being able to justify them or give give an explanation um, behind why they released such a product. I want to take up shelf space. Oh, I, oh, I know that. I know the reason why. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yeah, I, I know the real reason why. Uh, I, I would just love a legitimate 
reason why. <laughs> uh, why, you know, why is this important for, for this dog or this cat? Uh, I guess my biggest thing right now, because I feel like there's so many companies that are just rapidly expanding their lines and bringing in new formulas and whole new, um, you know, sub brands or whatever. And uh, there's, it's pointless. Uh, I think our language is kind of skewed. I, I don't think the, I think the industry has tried to simplify food to a point that it's fast. It's a fast and cheap thought process. Meanwhile, the foods are fast and cheap as well. So they're making the thought process in the advertising platform fast and cheap as well. And it shuts down the logical thinking patterns that we would have when it comes to thinking about health and well-being for animals. Like we assume this bag with our dog's name is healthy because it has our dog's name, right? It's been personalized. It's a friggin' one cent label. What's in that bag is not justified or made better with that label. So I think advertising has created a simple, fast, cheap thought process and people are not thinking anymore. They are not connecting those dots. It's become almost, I don't know, ugly introduction. <laughs> you know what it does? They don't want to make decisions anymore, people. They want them made for them. And the companies are more than happy to make it for them. Yeah, but this is why we have one out of every 1.6 dog with cancer and one out of every three cats with cancer. Every other cat gets thyroid disease. Why, why do we think that's not a problem that we're causing as consumers? And why, do we, why are we okay with allowing brands, stores, distributors make the choices for us? Why have we become so complacent about the way we spend our money? We've devalued our health and we're giving our money away to people that just are, will happily take it. Sit back and think about that. That's a fuck you moment for me. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. All right. So this was a good conversation. <laughs> All right. Let's leave on a positive note. Kitty. Yeah. Kitty. Yeah. Right now, I'm sorry. She was like, fuck off. All right. She just left me. Okay. Yeah. Please let's leave on a positive note. No pet peeves. What do we want to do to make things better? I would like the small independent stores, the single store owners, to put all their energy into their love of animals and let that be their brand. Let your store be the brand. You just have products within it, but your store is the brand. And it's oh, yeah. the little things that we do that will make our brand stick out. Positive note, Quincy? Positive. He's like, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I do, I think. Uh, I think I'm just going to echo, echo George a little bit, um, because that, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, 
uh, I feel like it's really easy for independents to not be so independent anymore um, because they get hooked onto bringing in everything a distributor recommends or everything a brand, um, you know, food brand or whatever releases. Uh, I, I think doing more to make your store the brand is, I mean, I think, I think that's the key, honestly. Um, and then just treating customers like you want to be treated when you're, when you're a customer, you know, uh, if I'm shopping somewhere, I don't want to be sold something I don't need or don't even want. Um, you know, so when a customer, you know, comes up and they've got this new food that you recommended and then they pick up five supplements off the shelf for whatever reason, because something online, someone online told them they needed these five supplements, you know, maybe poke around and see if they really need them. Uh, maybe don't let them buy some things, uh, send them out with, uh, with, with less. Um, I think customers will appreciate that. And honestly, I think it's better for, I think it's better for the animal too. Um, and so I think just treating our customers like we want to be treated. Um, I, I think it's very underrated. Um, that goes a lot farther than what people realize because most people, I don't think get that in a, in a shopping experience anymore. Okay. I like that. So I'm going to leave off with, this is a message to our distributors and the product manufacturers. I, I'm grateful they're here. I'm grateful that they exist and they allow us to do our jobs and they provide jobs. They provide people with food, health insurance, the ability to take care of their families. What I would like to recommend is that they not take us for granted. And speaking with honesty, and being truth, truthful, even when it is bad news, is easier for us to manage than us being taken for a ride. So whatever's going on, whether it is COVID or, you, or Blaine has come back and you guys are changing everything at Phillips again and going back to better, great, that's wonderful. I want everyone to succeed and come together and do what's best for the animals. And I think by simply being honest, um, we can really take a step on giving a shit about each other and being able to work in a way where we don't doubt ourselves as business owners and we are not in awkward positions where we have to make these kinds of statements on a platform where we're hoping people hear us. And I know people are going to hear us. So I hope that the companies out there that are doing business with us realize that we can make an impact and we are going to be speaking up and we can create an environment that's good for the animals and ourselves. It's our choice and we're going to do it. So I hope you guys are in this with me. And if anyone wants to speak with me or get on board for the next episode, um, contact me at tazapetropolis.com. I want to hear from you. Definitely want to hear from you. <laughs>